welcome to another episode of the Coastline Covenant Podcast. We are continuing our series called Blueprints, where we're looking at the foundations of what makes a church great. And today we are talking about something that I think a lot of us have feelings and opinions about, but we very rarely sit down and actually talk about, and that is church polity. So I have Nikki and Sean on this episode talking about how they came up with the Coastline Covenant bylaws, the process of bringing different ideas to the covenant denomination and the covenant saying yes, the covenant saying no, and what it practically means for you as a listener, a Coastline family member, spiritually and pragmatically. So we talk about things like what are elders going to be at Coastline? What is the leadership structure going to be at Coastline? But we also ask, what's the theological and philosophical benefit of having church polity? So I actually think this is a great conversation, especially if you've been with us since the beginning. So I'd encourage you to listen and get excited about all the new ways that Coastline is going to try to officially be fully family, spirit-seeking, boldly biblical, and holy worshiping. But until then, enjoy. We will see you next week and every single week after that. Are you guys excited? Super excited. There's nothing more exciting than church polity. I agree. <laughs> Which is why I felt really sad when I pitched to the whole team a couple of days ago, let's do a church polity podcast channel where all we do is just, just discuss polity. church polity. And it was denied. Really, really denied. Yeah. By who? Don't act like you didn't deny me. Dude, I would love to do nothing oh more gosh. than a church polity <laughs> podcast. I don't know I that could I could I, I could hang there helping make the polity, but I don't know that I could podcast about it for like if I submitted know, weeks to on Spotify weeks. a church polity podcast channel, they would deny me and probably ban me from their platform. No, they wouldn't. You know why? Because actually most people have frustrating experiences with church polity. Very people I've seen at work, and lots of people are looking for helpful resources. If you, Hunter, <sighs> could be the guy to create it using the genius that's Nikki and I, man, <laughs> we'd be there. So you're saying if I can push past my incredible, I wouldn't call it disgust. I wouldn't call it apathy. Just like bleh, feeling towards this. <laughs> we could make some money, the three of us. We can go into this and start monetizing. This is the hill we have yeah. to climb, that yeah. blah feeling yeah, about Well, that's this. the hill we always have to climb. <laughs> the blah feeling about yeah. church quality. And that's our next term sermon series here at Coastline, the bleh inside <laughs> of you. The bleh. It's all the, the things that we don't like about ourselves and church. And Ugh, there's a podcast channel for you, all the things you don't like about yourself. <laughs> Woof, that would take a long, long, long time. Nikki, what would that title of the episode be called? Nikki hates this about herself the most. Oh you don't have to answer that. Uh, we're here. <laughs> I thought you were going to answer it. You started thinking about I it. And I was like, don't go there with him. Don't do it. I don't know what happens to me. I just start. I he just, needs no more ammunition yeah. to torment you. Nikki, that was easy. That was like, I was, I had to stop you. I was you. actually thinking of an answer. It was grace that I even. I was, you see, physically reaching <laughs> yeah. out. I was like, no. I didn't want you to do that. I mean, I did, but I don't want you to do that. Wow. And, the, and you guys thought this episode was going to be boring. Yeah, <laughs> talking about, talking about something off. that uh, yeah. very few people, I wouldn't say, like, think about on a daily basis, especially as it pertains to church. You come into a church on a Sunday, maybe you do a midweek program. What generally doesn't go through your brain is, I wonder how this church is ordered. I wonder mm -hmm. what the polity, I wonder what the leadership structure and leadership team of this place is. But it's a foundational question, and that's why it's in this Blueprint series, a church that is ordered. And so I'm here with Nikki and Sean, which might feel like, okay, what do Nikki and Sean know about this? But it's hysterical. As I was thinking about this episode, you guys, a lot of times people can say like, oh, I helped or, you know, I did this. Like you guys literally wrote the coastline book, basically like the, like you started it 
you completed it. You got all the edits done. Like you created the coastline structure, right? And we had so much fun doing mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It was a very nerdy process, but um, it was kind of fun. Yeah. What was that look? I'm just wondering, like, is there a... <laughs> Nobody just, believes I just got us. the dirtiest look from Hunter Nobody saying believes that. Us. No, we I had a good time doing yeah, it. No, we really nerded out. I would imagine that nerding out is, like, the generous way to put it. Because how is it fun, <laughs> right? How is it exciting? How is it fun? We definitely get into the weeds, right? I mean, it literally, we're hopping through it and going, okay, section 10, article 2, you know, like, flipping through pages. That's mm-hmm. just kind of how the process went, but... Where did you, what was your inspiration? Like, what, did you have like a, a all-time church document? And you're like, that's the one we're going for. Like, let's try to make it like this. We actually did have a sample. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the covenant gives you um, basic ones to work with, and then you can edit and, and make that fit the needs that you have. So we had um, one that was kind of given to us as a draft that we could start. Was that one like, okay, just plug and play? Or were there things that you actually had to change about them? No, we looked at it and thought, um, this is a good start, but there's so many ways that this could be better. And yeah. um, I, I, this sounds really arrogant, but like, I think the covenant might actually make some changes to their starting document because of things yeah. that we found in it. And that's unsurprising to me that they'd have this document that lives for churches to think about and use as inspiration. And then you guys can help find things in that document that don't work anymore as churches sure. in 2023 yeah. respond to things happening. And that's, I think that's probably where you mean it was fun, where you got to think about the overall structure of churches and tweak things like that. But I guess from my perspective, you know, you guys are both ministers, you know, you both have master's degrees. You guys have spent a lot of time in ministry. Like, what do you feel like prepared you to go in and develop church polity? And when I say church polity, what, what do we mean by that? We mean like the governance, the structure, yeah. right? Things like it that. It is how a church is governed and led and how they organize themselves to accomplish their mission. Oh, that's, that's very concise. And, and so for me, um, I served as the executive pastor over at Rolling Hills. And with that, a lot of the role is to help things get done, to move things down the field. If there's a vision that wants to be accomplished, how do you make the right hires? How do you allocate the right funds? How do you get the right votes to make things happen? So it was in that role where I came to use the bylaws on a daily basis, came to know them inside and out, their strengths and their weaknesses, like every document has. And you started to dream, for me, I started to dream of going, you know what would be a simpler way of doing this? What if we could do that? Now, the nature of a bylaws is that once they're written, they're a challenge and a process to change. And the longer that they've been in place, it's even more so true. So what we had was fairly difficult to change at the time. So this was a chance for me to get to do something that I'd always thought about, had always dreamed of, and get to kind of bring life to it from the ground up. Which So for me, um, people probably don't know that about me, but yeah, I was so excited to get my hands on this. So how much, and Nikki, we'll get to your experience in a second, but Sean, how much of you developing these bylaws was a response to the strengths and weaknesses of other documents you've seen? And how much of it was you saying, this is what Coastline needs? Oh, good question. Um, It was more of learning to seeing what other people are doing and how that works well, and then bringing it over. My assumption is that as coastline's still growing up, right? Like we haven't yet seen where our weird quirks are going to be in terms of polity. What I know for sure is that what we write is not going to be perfect. And I know it's going to need to change and grow over time. And so this is as good as we can do right now, but 
we anticipate that it will make be changed in year two, three, four, as we come to see that this committee, this commission, this sort of way of organizing ourselves doesn't work. It's really funny that you say that. And I don't think we mentioned this on the primer, but like it wasn't always, the series wasn't always going to be called Blueprints. Like it was like growing up, like teenagers, right? Like the church. The, well, it was, it was the, to imply, the series was to imply that like we are growing up. I say that because bylaws are something you think would be in the beginning. Polity would be in the beginning. When you plant a church, you, you feel like you have to know how it's going to be structured, right? And I think for me, the funny thing with Coastline is like, I didn't think about that once. Yeah. That and, didn't come to mind once. Well, and the covenant makes sure that you don't actually write your bylaws until year three. Why do you think that is? Because they want you to be as nimble as you can to make the changes that you need to make without needing to go through congregational votes mm. and all of these sorts of things. In the planting stage, what is typical is that the planting pastor, or for us pastors, need to drive a lot of the vision and cast it for the people to catch. And it's after you've done that, that then you can kind of hand it off to people. So in the early yeah. days, it's very pastor focused, but the intention is always that the congregation gets brought in. Nimble is a great word to use mm -hmm. because I feel like Coastline was super nimble in the beginning. And I'm, I'm interested in, as this conversation continues, will people feel like we're becoming less nimble as we put these things in place or will we be becoming more nimble and like, in different type of nimble. I don't know. We'll get there. But Nikki, your experience in ministry, you've been ministry a long time. You've worn a lot of different hats. At any point when you're making this church polity, these bylaws, you're like, oh, everything has been leading to this point professionally. <laughs> no. Or were you like, I don't know what's up. Um, I, you know, I think what's interesting is that it sounds so dry, right? Church bylaws, constitution. And yet your experience in church can be so vastly shaped by the structure that's in place. And mm. so I think, I think we very much um, had that in our brain as far as how do we make sure that people are loved and cared for in our church and make sure that the structure serves that versus um, inflicts more pain. Right. And so I think that was constantly a question that was coming up as well. If you do it this way, can this happen? Mm. If you do it this way, would that actually cause harm or would that help people? How? So I, I think that it's interesting how even your kind of shepherding heart comes out as you are putting together a, a constitution and bylaws, something that you, you don't think about. That's a great point. Like your heart comes out in these and as rigid and as wooden as like bylaws feel, your ministry heart can come through them. And I, I really like being able to capture that idea because again, I think that people will hear it. We're going to do an episode on church polity and then leading to, Oh, we're going to start implementing these bylaws and there's going to be kind of a structure to coastline that maybe we're not used to, or we haven't felt since it started, but the people who made it, the people behind it, they have a shepherding heart and they had that come out through the document. And I think that's a really good mm -hmm. point. Was this easy? Was this an uphill battle or was this something that you felt like just, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this and it's, it's fine. Um, it was detailed. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I would say it was easy and I would say it was easy because Nikki was involved. And so I think she and I had, a, were a good team. We worked mm -hmm. well together. The covenant was a great resource to us. Yeah. Um, and we have a coach in the covenant who was able to come back and say, whatever you do, do this and, and don't do that. So we okay. felt like we had, uh, the right team, the right support around us. Um, but we would sit down and highlight things for three hours. I had mm -hmm. four different highlighters I was using throughout the document and Garrick and you guys would look at us and think we were insane. But for us, mm -hmm. it was, 
it was an easy process. Yeah, I don't think it was hard. It, but the yeah, the the detail. I mean, there were there were moments where like my pages were misnumbered, and you know, it's just because you just have so many pages, and we were using not only the cut the the denomination gives you a structure that you have to start with, right? So it's you already have this framework in place, but then we were looking at other churches' bylaws and constitutions, and so then it's like pulling from someone else over here, and like okay, so look at this church over here, and well, what do you think about this one over here with this church? And so it it did um, get very complicated at times as we were trying to navigate it. And so start to finish, how long does this process take? We probably worked on this across six weeks of working on it multiple times a week, Nikki and I for three hour sessions, four hour sessions of doing it. Um, submitted then to the covenant for review at the local level and then at the national level. Um, and we're just waiting now for the final approval, but uh, we've gotten the final edits. We're good to go. So uh, yeah. that approval is just a formality at this point. So timeline wise, mm-hmm. like 10 years, <laughs> like it feels like this, that how long something like this takes. We anticipate that the bylaws will probably be coming out in the fall um, and we'll begin implementing them across the 2023-2024 year of kind of slowly on-ramping all levels of it. Nice. And so I want to, so that's kind of like more of the logistical question. I want to go a little bit more behind the scenes philosophically. I think that a question that I have and maybe other people have is, is church polity really that important? And Nikki, you kind of answered that already by saying like, bad polity could end up hurting people. A bad structure could end up hurting people, but maybe speak a little bit more to that. Is this really important? I think you could open up the book of Acts and be like, well, they didn't have church polity. There's no bylaws here. We want to be like that. You know, what's, what's the significance here? Yeah. I, well, um, one thing that keeps coming to mind when I think about it is like, why do you need polity? And I think polity builds trust and trust is so, um, if you don't have trust in your leadership, you don't have anything, right? Like church can't function without it. And because polity puts into place a checks and balance, um, polity lets you know as a congregant, oh, I can trust the leadership because I know that they are working with a team. I know they're bringing in other voices. When you have a good structure in place, it just helps build a trust for the church overall. And so I I actually think polity is vastly important because um, otherwise you could start to question, well, are are decisions being made behind closed doors? Can I trust the decisions? It it just, Mm. human nature is to start to be suspicious of one another, Mm. right? Unfortunately, but that's just the case. And so when you know that you have a really solid structure there that you can trust, then you know that I can trust the people who are within the structure too. Yeah, that's, I think that's vital. And I think what's really cool is if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you've been with us for a long time. And to hear we're adding things like, certain titles and you know descriptions which I will talk about in a second like these things aren't meant to breed distrust they're not meant to distance us from you but they're actually meant to open the door so you can understand how we're making some decisions as we grow which again I think I as I keep talking I feel like again this is my own baggage but this sounds so reactive already like I think we all have baggage around this, and so Sean, maybe talk to the congregant who's like, I can't hear about a congregational meeting. I can't hear the word elder. I can't hear the word chair or officer. 
how would you spiritually speak to that person? Or how would you spiritually speak to yourself if that's the case? (laughs) I'm I'm mentally checking in with myself (laughs) as you talk. Um, Well, well, how about this? This is the way that I think about it. Um, You could idealistically think, I like the way things are going. I trust Sean and Garrick. I want them just to lead the church. Um, and I'm okay if that's just the only thing that happens. You guys just lead and you guys just go forward. Which, look, I, I appreciate that if that's where you're at. I've had people tell me that already. But we anticipate Coastline existing beyond us, number one. Like that it will likely have another senior pastor or hopefully senior pastors. And so you're charting yourself for that. Um, and also we can't predict what the future is going to happen. And there could be some level of urgency that we would need something to describe what we're going to do. That's the other part of what bylaws do. They not only build trust, but they clarify process that if suddenly there was a budget crisis, how would we handle it? Um, and I would tell you, Garrick and I are not infallible. Um, I really believe that as scripture says, there's wisdom in the counsel of many. And so we are looking for people to bring input and to help and to speak into this. And not only that, I really think that part of Garrick and I's job is to empower the saints to do the work of the church. And so the point is not for Garrick and I to become popes and to, you know, be CEOs, but it's for us to raise up and train people and pass on ministry to them and for them to do it. We're to be more equipping than to be um, at the front of a boardroom. And so, uh, if you're feeling like this is traumatic or painful or struggling, I just, I understand. Mm -hmm. I understand. What I could tell you is that every church system can go wrong at some place. Uh, A fully congregational church can get off track. A one that is fully led by elders can get off track. And one that's just run by a senior pastor can get off track too. So there's nothing that's going to ever protect you from that moment. Churches oftentimes have pain points. I think the bylaws help us move through those pain points and know that when we experience pain, this is how we move towards solution and resolution. It's really comforting. I think it's really comforting because, again, the Coastline story is so unique in that it's born out of a little bit of that, a little bit of like polity and bylaws. And not only these things being like used how they weren't supposed to be used, but being misunderstood and used in that way. And so I love that we're getting on the podcast and being like, here's how we're starting. Here's where the foundation of these conversations were. And here's what the bylaws and all the polity is going to look like. So, you know, like there's no misinterpreting that. Like you hear the people who wrote it right here, you know, saying this is the heart. This was the point, which I, I love. So Sean, you've mentioned a couple times, like the idea of like, you know, titles and stuff. And I'm wondering what are we going to be seeing here? Are we going to be seeing elders at Coastline? Are we going to be seeing, you know, a vice chair? Are we going to be seeing a uh, financial officer? You know, what are we going to start seeing practically? Great. Great. So what you need to know is that in the covenant denomination, all church governance is at the end of the day, congregational. And what that means is that the congregation is the one who can hire their senior pastors. They're the ones who can approve the budget they're the ones who can approve going into debt. They're the ones who can approve the purchase of buildings. And they're the ones who can approve changes to the name or identity of the church. They're the only ones who can do that. Um, but our congregational business meetings, which will still happen in our model, are far less frequent than it used to. It'll be one a year. Okay, That one meeting a year will be where you're selecting leaders and approving budgets and any sort of motions. 
But the rest of the time, you're going to be voting and putting into place a leadership team who will be helping Garrick and I to lead the church in the day-to-day. Um, it is a different sort of team than you're probably used to. Um, in this model, Garrick and I are empowered to do the job that we've been hired to do, and the leadership team assists us in carrying out the vision of the church. And so they're there to come alongside of us and to work with us, uh, but we are not, in a sense, um, beholden to them in some sort of ways that might perhaps feel unhealthy. And so the words that you'll be hearing are membership. We'll have a membership team. There will be a nominating committee, which will be putting up people for a leadership team. And then they'll be working with Garrick and I on the day-to-day. And at Coastline, we believe that Garrick and I represent that position that would be typically called overseer or or elder. That is best describing of the role that Garrick and I have in the leading of the church. And I know that there was a little bit of conversation leading into wanting to put in the bylaws. We always have to have two. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you, we, I've been talking for a while. Yeah. We, um, we really wanted to like mandate that that senior pastor position is a, a plurality of leadership basically, or right now it's a duality, but just leaving room for there to be, you know, um, we like the, we, we love the way that Garrick and Sean partner together. Right. And we wanted to keep that in there, but, um, that we we can't mandate it i guess we <laughs> the way the covenant said it That's to hysterical. us yeah. the way the covenant said it is like you can't it would be like mandating like if a remarriage ever, if yeah. your if your wife died is what they said it'd be like yeah. mandating that you have to get remarried yeah something yeah. like that like garrick and i are a married couple apparently yeah. in the eyes of the yeah. covenant so but that's our heart. I There's mean, a lot to unpack yeah. there. Sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, but what, so when you, if any of you do read the actual constitution and bylaws, you will see an apostrophe S after the word senior pastor everywhere that it's listed because okay. it allows for us to have it, but doesn't mandate that it exists that way. What are some of the other unique things about the coastline bylaws and stuff like that? One of them is that this document is meant to be really flexible. Uh, you know, this team, the leadership team, can form other committees based on need. And so if they need a financial team or a personnel team, if they uh, feel like there is a need for some sort of missions development, they can charter it, start it, close it hmm. based on what they see. So it's not like it's going to have to be written into per- and then it's there into perpetuity. So it's an incredibly flexible model that allows us to build what we need for the time's when we need it. So that's, that would be certainly be one thing. So if there's like, um, another pandemic or something and Mm -hmm. you need to do like a coastline budgetary committee to figure out how we're going to be able to provide funds for the ministries that need to still meet, but they don't have the technology to do so. Congregant can come and say, I want to start this. There's some sort of like process that happens. They can start the team. Pandemic goes away. Team is shuttered. They're not like in 15 years, like, why do we still give money to this pandemic committee? Sure. Sure. Yeah, that would be like one example. The other thing, um, and Nikki, you could speak to this too, is um, the way that other pastors are hired will be totally different in this model where Garrick and I will have the freedom to form the teams that we think will need to um, find the best candidates. And then the leadership team will ratify the decision we make. So we don't need a congregationally formed search team and we don't need a congregational vote then. So it mm-hmm. kind of allows us to go and find um, the candidates that we know that we need. And that's a huge advantage mm-hmm. in our model. I got to tell you, that has uh, been a, a 
a source that I've been, I never thought that that would be possible to do. <laughs> I yeah. can't believe that we could do it so simply. I think what we were trying to do is while we are congregationally led, um, we were really trying to have a model where the congregation is voting in people that they trust into positions, especially like the nominating committee. And then the nominating committee vets and put, um, puts up potential nominees for leadership team. Okay. So, and then once the congregation votes on these things, um, the idea is that those people have been vetted and they're trustworthy and then they do the leading versus having a, a model where maybe you put a nominating committee into place, but then a congregant on the floor in the middle of a meeting can go and sideswipe the work that like a committee has done and, and make a change right there on the spot. Right. So the idea is that while it's congregationally led, that there is a lot of, they're choosing the people to put into place who then make those decisions. So it feels like fluid. It feels really like family oriented, right? Like the family can elect from the family and then the family benefits from that. Yeah. And, <laughs> and there's one other thing that's unique here is that men and women will both be able to serve on the leadership team. Yeah. Since Garrick and I have the role of overseer of the church, this team is fully open to have both men and women nominated. And we're excited about that. Is there going to be like elections yes like you can campaign because i'm i'm officially there's campaigning be, for the third senior pastor <laughs> there's gonna be posters on the wall um the leadership the nominating committee has the ability to bring forth a ballot that can have as many people on it as they see fit so if that means that there's the number of candidates for the number of positions that's their discretion if they think that there needs to be a plurality that is their discretion based on the current climate and need and whatever it might be. It honestly sounds like, and I say this fully recognizing what it's going to sound like. It sounds like we're a bunch of hippies and like we're taking, <laughs> we're taking a structure that is very formal and very like bureaucratic. And we're like, but what if we, you know, from the floor, what if we like make our own committees. It's like, it feels like Woodstock. I'm like, I'm a little anxious about it. Like I'm a little stressed, but it's really fun because it's coming from us. Like it really does feel like coastline and everything we do that's new is always like, how can we make this the most coastline? And we never think about how can we make the bylaws the most coastline, but we can, and there's a lot of freedom in that. It sounds like so. And I would tell you, if you're feeling like, whoa, this is just too much change. What you need to know is that 95% of all new covenant churches are being launched under this model. Mm. Mm -hmm. So this is something with a lot of history, a lot of track record. Um, it is what they encourage you to do, and they are aware of the weaknesses in the model and are addressing them as best they can. So this might feel like a big change to you. It certainly in some ways feels like that to Nikki and I, but what I could tell you is we're actually just getting caught up to what how most churches are run and led. I feel like that's the coastline narrative. Like we are we're trying to get to a place that's like different than the church you maybe came from, but like, that's also like a lot of other churches out there already. Like it's just, it just feels to me, I did have a little bit of anxiety when I saw you guys making these bylaws and I saw you guys working like three hours every week for months. I was a little stressed and I'm really happy to hear this conversation. Cause I'm like, man, it feels like we're going to be like a real actual functioning church that functions well and functions uniquely coastline, which I'm, I'm super psyched about. And that kind of leads to my next question how do you guys maintain our core values or our mission statements 
as you're making the bylaws? Like you obviously want to keep fully family in the front, but like how do you keep spirit seeking in the front of your mind as you're making bylaws? I mean, I think the structure serves the vision and values, right? Mm. Versus um, everything serving the structure. And so when you're putting a structure into place, you're putting something into place that allows for coastline to exist with kind of the ethos that we have um, and the the feel that we have. And so, um, and I, I think this does that in that um, the leadership team, the, the role of the leadership team is still there there's they're a support mm. there but the vision and values that exist are there Garrick and Sean are, are still setting those things and then the leadership team is saying yeah we like that or let's tweak that um it and so they're they're coming alongside and and partnering in ministry with Garrick and Sean and so I think you it, it's still very much gonna I think feel like coastline because it allows our vision and values to exist and and I think if if this works, if we've done this well, it's going to allow our vision and values to thrive, it's right? Support that, them, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole idea. That's interesting. You keep the polity, or you you make the polity to support the vision and the mission of the church, not to support like the agenda or like right. the people behind the scenes. I think that is really a fresh, really refreshing for some people to hear because I don't know if that's a huge experience a lot of people have. Sean, as a pastor, you know, where are you at, like, spiritually with church polity? Like, are you like, hey, I can totally understand why when God created churches, this is something that has to happen? Or are you just like, whatever, we're doing it because we must? No, so this is funny. And I've said this to people. I feel like this has never really landed the way I intended it to. So, But it's important to me that someone can tell me no at church. No. That's important to me. I just did. You're just telling him right now. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know why that matters to me. I think part of it is that I tend to lead from my gut a lot. And if so, sometimes I just become internally convinced of something and I can drive towards something and I can make it happen. And yet I also know that my perspective can be limited. My gut can lead me wrong. It's why I love working with Garrick um, because he can balance me out. But... I think that there's wisdom in a church being able to tell their pastor, we're not ready for that. It's too fast. It's too much. Um, and that's not who we want to be. And I think that's important that I be able to hear that. Right. So um, that's why it matters to me is so that it could shape my leadership in a way that is, I think more humble, more gentle, more gracious, instead of just this vision can do spirit. That's, driving people exhausted because I think I could lead that way, right? So I'm just aware of my own limitations. So I'm excited about this because I think it's good for me and my own sanctification. I think it's good for all of us to learn to submit and to honor one another, to love one another mm -hmm. well. Uh, I think good polity leads us to love one another well um, because it forces us to handle our conflicts in organized, reasonable ways. So, um, and to do our business. And it's not just conflicts, to so just do our business. Uh, in mind of other people. Wow, that's really, really cool to hear that. We're hoping that this polity, this structure can lead people to love. Mm. You never ever think about it that way. It's usually led to like boredom. We hope this leads you to tears from how much you don't want to engage with this. But sure. now we're saying we want to do something different. We want this to lead to love. And if you have a concern or a problem, it gives you a voice to share those things. 
and not only to share them, but for other people to hear them and then to respond and, and think and consider like it's, it provides venues for the entire church to be involved. That's nice. Yeah. Well, I, I love that. And I think that people are going to be really blessed from not only this conversation, but to see these bylaws and the way that the church is going to be structured and knowing all of these things, it's really, really helpful. And it makes, I think it makes being a part of coastline really easy because you're going to be part of a church that really cares about you from the top down, from the way that a Sunday morning feels to all the way, like how things are structured and how we can budget and solve conflict and love each other in kind of an official way. So I love that. My last question is where in the bylaws that say the podcast gets, um, the person who has a podcast gets the raise. Is that in there? Did that get uh, cut? Well, that, that's not in the bylaws because that is given to a group of people who then would make that decision. So okay, so if I want to campaign. It's not just like a line. In if the I want to campaign for more money because of the podcast, do I form a committee? Here's the deal. Right now, you'd go to Garrick, right? Okay. It's uh-huh. a Garrick, I need the raise. Now, you'd go to a committee. Yep. Nice. That would be working with Garrick. And yes. so you'd need to schmooze them and convince them instead of Garrick, which may be easier or harder depending on the day and how good the podcast is well famously garrick loves giving out money to us so uh, (laughs) i can't i can't imagine it going well (laughs) no we need to add security at easter to your uh responsibilities and then get paid exactly now we're talking now i can really see this working for me but i would tell you if you're listening right now and you kind of want to know the next step um we anticipate beginning all of this in the fall that will begin with membership and so there will be a membership drive for you to become a member of Coastline Covenant. With that will come also a time to be able to be baptized uh, because to be a member, you got to be baptized. Yep. And we'll begin the process of launching this and you could be there at the start. So that'd That's be beautiful. pretty fun. Charter yeah. member. Charter member. What, what we got to get a gift for charter members. Oh yeah. We can think something up. Okay, cool. Yeah. If yeah. you have an idea for a charter membership gift, email Nikki. Yeah. Email Sean. Or just donate to the GoFundMe that will be giving me my raise for the podcast. That's a good <laughs> charter member gift. You it's, give me money. It's a precious moments figurine of the fired four <laughs> walking off into the sunset. It's a it's a QR code, and you scan the QR code, and it's the playlist that Sean listened to every day in the time between Rolling Hills and Coastline. <laughs> <laughs> It's a bottle of red wine. Whoa, when, when do we cut this off, guys? When do we? I don't know. Is it in the bylaws? We have to cut it off at a certain time. I don't know. I, maybe I need to make Coastline Covenant podcast bylaws. New yeah, position we might, is editor we might. of the, the podcast. Oh gosh, new position. Yeah. Well, if you need to be a pastor or something at Coastline, now you know how to do it. So get out there, start campaigning to be the third senior pastor here at Coastline. We cannot wait to meet you and have you help lead this. I'm excited. You guys did a great job. I think people listening to this will have like a lot of questions, but I think they'll all get answered in time. And I think that the document speaks for itself. And I think you guys speak for yourself in the sense that you helped explain it so well. So thank you guys for jumping on again, this episode. I was like, okay, we'll see how it goes. We'll see, you know, if it's going to be boring or whatever, but it wasn't, you guys are awesome. This document's awesome. And I I just want to encourage you guys. And I actually will formally say I, the first meeting I'm going to stand on the floor and I'm going to say, we need to have it in the bylaws. Sean cannot try to do the catchphrase at the end of the podcast every week. It has to be in there. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be ratified. Well, I said that I want to be told no by the congregation. So <laughs> if they vote on that, 
then I'll stop. But until then. We'll see you next week and every week thereafter. Why do you get it wrong? (laughs) (laughs) I've said it so many times that way. I don't even know what the right one is anymore. Oh, wow. That was funny.